Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of Authors on a Podcast Talking Books. I'm your host, David Walters. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with voice actor Mark Thompson. Mark is based in New York, where he earned his Bachelor of Fine Arts degree from the New York University's Tisch School of Arts. He is most recognized as the voice of Casey Jones in the 2003 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, Duke Devlin, Chaz Princeton, and Astral in the Yu-Gi-Oh! franchise. Maxi, Goon, and Saturn and Pokemon, among several others. Kevin Thompson, Anthony DiMartino, and Tim- Timothy O'Neill in the MTV show Daria. Uh, he's also Kid Muscle and Ascara, among others, in Ultimate Muscle. Franklin Fizzy Bear and Viva Pinata, and is the narrator of countless Star Wars audiobooks, including the newest Thrawn trilogy by Timothy Zahn, the Old Republic Legends, and Chuck Wendig's Aftermath trilogy. Uh, he's also no stranger to Hasbro properties, having voiced Cobra Commander, Destro, Zartan, Spirit, and Kamakura, and G.I. Joe's Sigma-6. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Thompson. Hey, how are you? Hey, doing well. How are you doing? I'm great. You really did your research. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I try, I try my best. <laughs> and and, and it, it also helps that I've been listening to, to your audiobooks for a few years now. But when I when I actually originally, uh, I think I started listening maybe during the first of the Aftermath trilogy by Wendig. Uh, I actually did a little bit of research just to find out. I was like, okay, so this guy does some Star Wars audiobooks. What else did you do? And I just saw just a huge mass of... Like, TV shows and video games and so forth that you lent your voice to. And I was kind of taken aback by it. Yeah, I've been really fortunate. Like, uh, it's really been fun. So, like, I'm, I've been very, very lucky to kind of drop into some of these things. And uh, a lot of them are things that I've been fans of as a kid. So it's it's a huge honor to get to do them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so first off, if you don't mind, tell me a little bit about yourself uh, growing up, where you grew up. Uh, you know, school, throughout school, and kind of any hobbies you had growing up? Uh, so growing up, I, I grew up in Webster, New York, which is a suburb of Rochester. Um, and I had a great drama program there and kind of got the, the acting bug in there. And it, it was it was a uh, it was a small town, didn't didn't have a lot going on. Uh, I, I was kind of my house was like right behind this. uh farm <laughs> so it was like really out there but uh the like i i was really fortunate to have a great drama program and uh miss ham and miss hofstetter really nurtured that and kind of uh helped me believe that i could maybe pursue it and um i decided to give it a go and i auditioned at some colleges and got into nyu and then ended up in the city and then kind of uh just tried to make it work from, from then on. And I, I've kind of landed in voiceovers where I've, I've gotten most of my uh, stuff. So. Okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So prior to voice acting, what sort of, sort of work were you in? Did you, did you hold like countless jobs prior to that? Or was it pretty much just like school and then boom, voice acting? <laughs> I mean, it, I had a weird route cause it was, it's yes and no. Like I went, I went to school for acting and then um, I, I I got a job during my I believe it was my sophomore year at NYU, um, and it was kind of like my first big break. It was this uh, spinoff of Beavis and Butthead, and it was called Daria. And uh, I ended up doing a bunch of the I think you might have mentioned it, but I did a bunch of the the characters on that show. Yeah. So I was kind of doing voiceover as soon as I 
like even before I graduated uh, and really enjoyed it. And then it's, it's one of these things where, you know, kind of one thing leads to another. So I, I did that while I was in college. Um, but then I got pretty heavily involved in my campus ministry while I was in college. Mm -hmm. So then I, for like when I first graduated, I actually was pursuing the ministry and I did, I was a minister in my church for like nine, 10 years, uh, working in youth ministry and working in, uh, the performing arts ministry that we have in New York here. Um, and then kind of would do voiceover on the side. Um, and then long story short, the, the church I was in couldn't afford to pay me and the senior pastor. And I kind of always had this stuff going on the side. So uh, it just made more sense for me to step down and actively try to pursue it. And, uh, and so I did. And then I just started getting more of the animation stuff and, and cartoons. And then eventually was able to get to a point where I could uh, support me and my family doing the voiceover stuff. Okay. So you said you did uh, like, uh, I guess, college ministry. Was it something like Campus Crusade? Uh, similar. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the, it's the church of Christ. So it's, um, it, it's not exactly affiliated with campus crusade, but very similar in the sense of like, you know, the activities and devotionals and stuff that you would do. Um, I actually had a, a few friends that were involved in campus crusade and, and kind of did some stuff with them, but, uh, but yeah, it was like a, yeah, very similar feel to that. I gotcha. Okay. Uh, so you said that, you went to school to study acting. Was that, was that something that you were influenced at a younger age, like by watching movies and TV shows or did one day you just like got in front of a bunch of people and were like, you should try acting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was, I guess it was just, yeah, I, I was pretty much a couch potato growing up. <laughs> um, and I wasn't, uh, and am not very athletic or, um, you know, and I wasn't like, like a brainiac and, and, and kind of throwing myself into my studies. But like the theater was kind of the one thing that I really enjoyed and, and kind of felt like I was semi good at. And my mom was awesome because my mom saw that pretty early on and she would take me to acting lessons and um, go out of her way to like help me um, stay involved in that. And, uh, she was extremely supportive of that. Um, and then basically I had in uh, school, my teachers started, you know, telling me, Hey, you should really audition for the shows. And, uh, I'll never forget. It was Mr. Putnam, uh, wrote a show called the wolf boy, the ghost in the light of the moon. <laughs> and, uh, they had me audition for that. And I ended up getting cast as the wolf boy. And I had like a giant, wolf head on my you know head and <laughs> it was like a musical about a kid who gets picked on because he's like a, a wolf and uh <laughs> it was kind of crazy but that was kind of the beginning of everything and that got me kind of on that path and then eventually I got involved in like speech and debate team and uh and and then more high school musicals and plays and I just really fell in love with it and my teachers and coaches were extremely supportive and uh it, it's I'm so glad it like it got me on that path and kind of uh, got me to where I am today. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, so you have a picture uh, like framed of you in that wolf head kind of like people would do like their first dollar bill. They earn. <laughs> <laughs> I wish now I wish I had that. That's an awesome idea. <laughs> but it's like, it's just like every time you pass by it, you're like, Oh, that's where I started. <laughs> yeah. 
humble beginnings. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so uh, obviously, you probably have a different answer based on which show or audiobook or anything you're doing. But where do you typically like do your recording at? Well, so for any of the animation stuff, I do um, at, at different recording studios. Okay. And then the audiobooks, uh, we record them over at a place called Merlin Studios. Um, and it's it's a, a great place that the guy there has been working with musicians and audiobooks for decades. And he's won all kinds of awards. And uh, his name is Paul, and he's just amazing at all the sound design and everything that goes into it. So um, we record all the audiobooks over there. Every once in a while, we might record at Random House's mm-hmm. studio, but uh, most of the time, we're over at Merlin. I gotcha. Um, so what is uh, what is your typical process when recording? Do you have like, a, this is how I'm going to start my day, and then I go into the studio, do, and I don't even know how many hours that you would typically spend recording in a day. Cause I haven't really talked to many book narrators. I, I can imagine you can only say so many words in like a span of a couple of yeah. hours before you get tired of it. But what is like a typical day uh, that you have when you go and record? Uh, well, so for recording day, there's a lot of prep work that goes in before you get to the recording day, mm-hmm. but the, the actual recording day, We'll usually show up at like 10 in the morning and then we'll record for a few hours, order some lunch and then uh, eat and then and then kind of record into the evening. Uh, and that can be five o'clock, six o'clock, sometimes seven o'clock. Um, I've got a late night coming up next week. But uh, <laughs> um, and it's it's uh, I always say like it's of all the things I do, like commercial cartoon voices, video games. Like audiobooks is is the most physically demanding for me mm-hmm. um, because it is like this. Like the other things are more of like sprints because they're like a lot of energy, but they're very quick. Like you might you know work for an hour at a time or forty five minutes or whatever. But the the audiobook you're in there like all day, and it really takes a lot of physical and emotional energy to kind of stay on your game that whole time. So yeah. Um, yeah. you know obviously there's much more demanding jobs in the world but uh as far as the work i do that's the most demanding one is, is is the audiobooks because it's just it takes a lot of stamina to keep going yeah and i mean you know you you're constantly trying not to you know say the wrong word or fumble over a word whereas i would think in in video games and i guess some some tv shows depending on what the voiceover is that you would just have like some quick sentences or sounds or you know, uh, and so forth. But as, as when you're reading a book, it's just sentence after sentence after sentence, and you're reading, you know, thousands and thousands of words in a day. I mean, yeah. I, I can imagine the toll it takes on, because I, I feel like I talk a lot, but I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's wild. Your brain starts playing tricks on you and you start inverting and flipping words and like reading sentences out of order and or at least I do. And it just, uh, it becomes exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> so. so you're like reading, I guess the book off of like an iPad or is it just like a big screen that you've got like on a stand that you're reading off of? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do. We, when I first started, we would do them off these giant paper manuscripts and they would, you know, print off these like 400 page things. And the challenge with that was always when you had to turn the page, 
to make sure you didn't start talking in the middle of a page turn or, you know, or you could hear the page rustling uh, while recording or whatever. And the iPads, it's awesome because it's so quiet and I can like enlarge, enlarge the text and, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot smoother on the iPads, but so, so now we, we do it all on iPad. Um, and it's, it's a lot better, I think. I gotcha. Um, so do you have a particular food or drink that you like to have during recording sessions? That's your, it's like a must. Well, I'm, I'm a camel in the booth, so I, I need tons of water. Like I just, I, I need to, I guess a camel wouldn't need tons of water, but <laughs> like I, I have like a giant, uh, hydro flask that, that I have to constantly drink all the time because of my throat will just get super dried out and it, I just need to keep everything kind of lubricated. So lots and lots of water. And then every once in a while, I don't know if it's like psychosomatic for me at this point, but they say that apple slices can help when you're getting like lip smack or mouth noise. Mm -hmm. So I'll take a bite of an apple every once in a while if they're saying that they're hearing my lips smack together or whatever. So I don't know if that's true or not, but I just, I believe it's true. So it's true for me. So. <laughs> I gotcha. So, so when you're recording, I guess it's kind of like watching, I guess a band or something record that you've got somebody, I guess, telling you to stop and start and, Hey, we need to go back and re-record that because you know typically when I see narrators, granted it's uh, you know a few guys that I kind of know personally. You know they're they're typically in a booth by themselves. They're recording. They'll stop and then re-record on their own and stuff like that. So it's I guess it's a little bit different than what I've seen or I've seen people do live videos like on social media. Right. Um, yeah. Like sometimes when you're recording yourself, uh, you have to do that. And in some some places do it that way. Cause it's a little bit easier on the editor. Um, it's called, uh, I've heard it called punch recording. And it's like where if you, if you make a, me a mistake, you kind of scroll back and hit play before the mistake and then jump in right before the mistake happens and then continue recording that way. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done a couple of punch records and I, I personally do not enjoy it. And I think it's a lot more stressful and it's harder to, focus on the performance if you're so hyper vigilant about every little detail. So I'm, yeah. I'm very lucky because I, if I make a mistake, I can just stop, take a breath and, and try again. And unfortunately the editors have to go back and take out all of those flubs. But yeah. <laughs> uh, as, as a performer, it, it makes more work for the editor and I'm sorry for that, but it, as a performer, it, it, it just helps keep the continuity and helps keep the flow if I don't have to be stressing about stressing out about getting the timing exactly right when I punch back in and, and I can kind of get a couple of runs at certain lines or certain paragraphs to try to really nail down emotionally and storytelling wise, what's supposed to be happening in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. So when you're uh, narrating an audio, do you, are you typically in the office five days a week or is it like a, you know, depending on how much you did the day before, I mean, do you have a set schedule? when uh when you i guess get a book in your lap um I, I well so with most of what i do now is the star wars books and they typically it, it can vary based on the project but uh, a lot of times i'll get the book maybe like a week and a half or two weeks before we have to start recording mm -hmm. so like my main process is i've got to read through that script as fast as i can and I try to find all the times that someone is speaking or all the times that there's a you know dialogue mm -hmm. and I'll write down, um, you know, what character that 
is, if they're an alien or a human, male or female, anything the author is giving me about vocal quality. And, and then after I've got all those instances written down, uh, I try to go back and then kind of cast it in my head and like kind of come up with different voices and uh, things that I might, you know, try to do uh, to, to, to kind of get those characters to come together. So, and then once I've got all those, I record little samples, samples of those on my phone. And then uh, when we go into actually record, I'll, um, I'll, I'll play a little snippet of it right before I have to do that character just to get it locked in my mind. And then we'll go in and then I can kind of do the characters uh, as we go. And then usually about a third of the way through or halfway through, I start to get to know the characters well enough where I don't have to keep listening every time. And I can kind of uh, just purely go like just from memory and, and kind of do the voices purely straight through. I gotcha. Um, so I know your focus mainly now is, is Star Wars audiobooks. Do you still do any any television stuff or commercials? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I still audition for stuff, and I, I had a Goldfish commercial going for a while. Uh, I don't think it's on anymore, but uh, it was like the the CGI Goldfish crackers, and uh, I was the voice at the end that was like. Um, you can unlock more friends at goldfishfun.com. Ask your parents for permission. It was kind of this like a 1940 Newsies guy. <laughs> uh, so, and then, uh, you know, I, I audition for stuff here and there and uh, I can get like radio spots every once in a while. Um, and then I, I still do a lot of animation. I still work on uh, Pokemon and uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! And uh, I'm currently on a version of the Transformers cartoon um and I'm, I'm megatron on that and uh wow and that's pretty fun so yeah that's awesome so it's, yeah. it's all kinds of stuff whatever i can get my hands on yeah exactly uh see I, you know i was one of the kids in the 90s pokemon came out that was like the thing to do uh oh cool yeah you know every time you know your mom needs to go out shopping for something you take the game boy with you and <laughs> just kind of go from there and you know saturday mornings was like all right Pokemon's on. I know what I gotta do. Sit down with your bowl of cereal, kind of thing. So when I when I saw that you uh, had done some voice work on that, I thought, I thought that was pretty awesome. Just because I was like, man, hits you know hits you right in the childhood. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's pretty fun. I wasn't as like I didn't know as much about that show um, when I got it, and I've kind of learned over the years how um, how much that means to people. And so it's kind of it's definitely cool to be a part of that. Uh, but it's it's funny to me because I didn't I didn't grow up with it. So right. the way I feel about Star Wars is how a lot of people feel about those shows. And it's it's cool to be on the other side of that, I guess. So Yeah, because I guess yours would be more like, you know, Star Wars. And then you were talking about Transformers and, and right. um, I guess what uh, G.I. Joe and stuff like that. That was probably more yep. your thing. Yeah, because. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you did Daria. We'll see. I. I guess I was a little too young to watch Daria, or at least my parents thought I was too young to watch it. But my, like my sisters right, watched yeah. it, so like I like I can envision you know the show and the characters and stuff. But now that like I'm older, I guess I can go back and watch it. And be like, oh, Mark Thompson does that voice, you know? Um, yeah, that'd be pretty neat. But okay, so so you've narrated approximately ninety books, uh, I guess, in your quote unquote tenure, uh, including over forty in and around the Star Wars franchise. 
So first off, that's incredible. Uh, I think we had talked a little off air that you're like close to close to 50 now. Um, but so do you consider yourself um, a huge Star Wars nerd or just a fan or both? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, both. I mean, I, uh, I no, I, I think I can wear the badge that I'm a huge Star Wars nerd uh, proudly. And, and I, I think the books have only made it worse. Like I, I've, I've, I now know way more than I probably need to know <laughs> but uh but i love it like i i love that i get to kind of you know that 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 i get to get paid to do this to, to kind of like learn more about this world that i i just i desperately love so so much so it's it's really cool to kind of uh be involved in it in that way coming from growing up with it and, and loving it yeah so i guess how how did you I guess, get introduced to, to this possibility. Like, were you, did you audition for it? Like, is that how you started doing the audiobooks, or was, did, you know, did you like make a YouTube video where you could do all the voices and they're like, we want that guy. Uh, like how, <laughs> I guess, how did you get in with, you know, uh, Lucas and I mean now Disney, right. uh, with star Wars, like how did, how did you kind of get into that realm? It, it was really kind of random because my, my agent just called and said, you know, Hey, have you ever done an audiobook? And I was like, no. And I honestly was not really interested in doing an audiobook because I, I wasn't much of a reader. Like, you know, like some people love, you know, for hobby, just to read books and, you know, for their own personal enjoyment. But even in school, I would always look at the, you know, kind of the, the, cliff notes versions of stuff for all the tests. And I, I think I finished one book in high school. <laughs> so, uh, so I was kind of like trying to blow my agent off and I was like, no, not really. I never done an audiobook, you know? And then she was like, well, what about like, like, uh, what if it's a star Wars audiobook? And I was like, Whoa, yeah, yeah. Wait, 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 what's an audiobook? <laughs> so I was like, and then, uh, and then they just sent me, uh, the script for it and had me say, you know, look this over and, you're going to read a couple pages for the director. So I went like hardcore practicing, researching. Uh, I, I tried to come up with the, all the character voices and I prayed about it. I was like, God, please let me have it. You know, so like <laughs> I really prepared. And then uh, I went in and read it. And um, I always tell people like, I think I got the job because I could do a lot of the character voices. And I think they were impressed with the character voices, mm -hmm. but I definitely had to learn as I go, the, the art of telling a story and like the art of like making the prose be as engaging as the dialogue. Cause yeah. I think the first book that I worked on, I was kind of wanting it to be more like a play. So I was like trying to kind of rush through all the other stuff just to get to the dialogue. Yeah. And the director, his name's Kevin Thompson. He's not related, but it's funny that we have Thompson and Thompson, but <laughs> yeah. uh, he uh, he's awesome. But like he basically he said to me, like, you know, the, the dialogue you're making really engaging, but you've got to make the other stuff just as engaging. Like you've got to make the, the descriptions of the room and the, you know, the what the descriptions of what the characters are thinking in their minds. You've got to engage the listener the same way you're engaging with the dialogue. And that kind of unlocked something for me. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. So then I started like working on that more. And I feel like as I went, I got uh, better at that. Um, but the rest is history. And they, they've just kept calling me back. And 
I was actually nervous because I, I started doing books with them before Disney acquired them, mm-hmm. I believe. Right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then and then uh, when Disney acquired them, I thought, oh, well, they're going to want a fresh start with everyone and they're, they're going to want to, you know, have new off, new narrators and stuff. And but they still allowed me to do it. <laughs> so uh, I was pretty pumped about that and, and still got to do some of the some of the narration and uh, any chance. Like, it's my favorite thing on my resume, like that, that, that I have the Star Wars audiobooks. Like I have a friend who made fun of me because he's like looking at my resume and I put I put so much focus on the audiobooks. And he's like, dude, do you realize that like you were in a Broadway show, like casting directors are much more interested in this part of your resume. But like you have this is the front and center. It's like, I know, but it's Star Wars. <laughs> like, you know, like you got, no, you gotta like make yourself more marketable. <laughs> so, but like to me, that's like the coolest thing I could ever have on there. <laughs> right. So. Exactly. I mean, that's going to be the friggin' forefront. I mean, you know, yeah, when, yeah. You, have, when you have something that's just so huge, you know, not only in America, but you know, outside of America, you're just like, no, I mean, that's going to be front and center. Everybody's going to know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was Thank just looking up. I think uh, you first started doing Star Wars audiobooks. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, in 07. So, yeah, it was before Disney acquired yep. it. Yeah. So, yeah, that sounds uh, right. I think it says your first one was uh, Legacy of the Force. Yeah, yeah, that was the first. Because they were looking for a voice that could narrate that nine-book series. So, mm-hmm. It was a huge job. Like they, they, I was really excited to get it, and uh, so because they wanted somebody to kind of be that, that that consistent voice for that whole nine arc yeah. story. Yeah, and it's, and it's kind of crazy just going back through and seeing the different authors as well um, that wrote in it. Because you've got like Karen Travis, who also writes Halo and Gears of War, which you know I loved both of those video games growing up. Um, and then oh yeah. Got, uh, Aaron Austin, who's done several Star Wars books, including a few, uh, you know, I guess like in the uh, early 2000 teens, like in 12 and, and 11. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's just so neat, you know, because on, on top of it being Star Wars, you just have all these, you know, writers writing in this world and in this universe. And it's just so neat that, you know, you get to, you know, you get to read not just the same person writing Star Wars. You get to write, you know, read all these different authors. So the prose is going to be different. Uh, the way right. they, way they write plots is going to be different, and so forth. And obviously, the characters are all going to be different because they're all probably writing in different parts of the universe. So, yeah. Oh man, and just like thinking about it, it's just, it's just so neat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, the process from recording a Star Wars audiobook? I mean, I feel like a ton has to go into it because not only do you have this big storyline and big universe, but you've got all these you know characters you've got a voice. You've got sound effects that are being added in and you've also got music. I, I actually just I'm listening to uh, the Alphabet Squadron right now, which I know you didn't do that one, but it's another Star Wars audiobook that came out last year from Del Rey. But I've noticed a little bit more music is added into the audiobook. So, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of prep into that. Is that right? Oh, yeah. No, there, there's a huge amount of uh, preparation that goes into it. Like, uh, the for for the production end, it's like uh, Kevin Thompson and Paul Goodrich are just mad scientists and geniuses. And they, they've got it down to an, uh, it's a, it's an art and a science and, and all mixed together. And they're just really good at what they do. And as we're recording, Kevin is like 
jotting down notes on the manuscript about like, okay, I want to use this music cue here. And, uh, you know, is this character speaking in a helmet or is this character a droid? So let's make sure that, you know, we put a processor on that. Cause like, if I do like C3PO, I'd be like, Oh dear, we're tuned. Help us thank the maker. And that that's okay. But then they'll put the, the, the processor on it and it'll just sound like, it, you know, it's more mechanical and, and it kind of takes you in there and, same thing with like the, the you know the clone troopers or the the bounty hunters you know he's no good to me did like they'll they'll kind of put the processor stuff on there so it'll it'll sound more authentic and and then on my end uh, I have to kind of like create all those voices ahead of time so that we're not wasting a lot of time on the day of the record trying to come up with something so you know if it's a legacy character then I'll I'll usually you know just I've, I've seen the films hundreds of times, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll go back and just record little clips. And then, you know, I might play in my ear like, do or do not. There is no try. Or, it's a trap. Ah! You know, just to kind of get them in my head. Yeah. And then I can kind of roll right into them uh, on the day of. And then if it's if it's a new character, then I get to really play around and kind of come up with different ideas. Um you know, and, and like, just play like, like there's certain aliens I feel like have been established in some of the cartoons or some of the movies. And so I'll try to kind of get it in the same range uh, of what those aliens have sounded like in other productions or video games or whatever. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I'll scour YouTube and just try to like, look for different examples of them. Um, but sometimes it's just, I have like a piece of concept art or like, sometimes it's a character that was like in the cantina, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they, they were just there, but I, I have to try to now, now in this book, they're talking and I have to kind of think about, well, what would, you know, that creature sound like if they had to have a conversation. And so it's like this balance of trying to come up with something creative, but still can be understood. And, uh, and then Kevin kind of usually, if I'm going too far to an extreme, Kevin kind of reins me back in and, uh, and, and kind of helps come up with different suggestions. So, so it's a lot of fun and it's very collaborative. It's, it's really, it's really cool to kind of all be working together on it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I can imagine like, if you've ever had to do like, uh, like Maz Kanata from uh, force awakens, mm -hmm. like I've got a bobblehead over here, like sitting over here on my bookshelf, but yeah, he has like no speaking parts. In that movie. So like, yeah, we, we need you to do like a whole scene with him and you're like, uh, okay. Let me think. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh my god! Yeah, no, it can be a challenge, but it's uh, but it, but it's fun, and and then also too, you you get to kind of blaze that trail, and you know, if if it hasn't been established yet, then you know, no one can really say, well, it doesn't sound like that because no one knows. So, <laughs> <laughs> I got you. yeah, and you know, obviously, you know, me and a lot of other people that grew up with Star Wars and have seen the movies and so forth. When we listen to audiobook, uh, you know, we look for those established characters that we always want to hear but i will say still to this day and i can still hear him in my mind uh mr bones from the aftermath series oh, yeah. <laughs> is still one of my favorite characters of all time <laughs> i will perform violence yeah yeah oh yes. I, I think chuck wendig like that was such a great character and such a cool idea for a character you know like yeah. it was so fun to just like like see those droids kind of reprogrammed in that way i loved it <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, obviously, the new books don't 
you know, unfortunately have Han and and so forth anymore. I mean, do you miss being able to do those types of characters? Because I know you did those in the earlier books. You know, you did your Han and your Chewie, which Chewie's still obviously yeah. around. But um, right, you know, did, did you did you enjoy those characters? I guess a little bit more than trying to introduce new ones, or is it all kind of meshed together at some point? Yeah, I think it's it's hard to say if I liked it more than the other. Like I, I, I think both have pros and cons. Cause I think the, when I did the, the classic characters, I definitely felt the pressure of trying to get it right. Mm-hmm. And everyone kind of has their own version of those characters in their head. Right. Um, and there's no way you're going to please everybody. So there was just a lot of pressure involved in that, but the fan in me loves being able to play those characters because that's, you know, who I associate Star Wars with is like Han and Chewie and Luke and, you know, and Leia. And so getting to perform those characters came with a lot of pressure, but it was also a great joy to know that I was telling a new story with these characters that I've loved all my life, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the newer characters, um, that's fun. Cause you really do get to play and like you, you really get to kind of, um, you know, the, the author gives you so much, like the authors that work on these books are amazing. And they, a lot of times the characters are all there for you on the page. It's just looking at all the clues and putting them together. So, um, but, but it's fun to kind of like, you know, like, like a Mr. Bones, like a lot of people have come up and, and talked about like how much they love Mr. Bones. And so, uh, you know, obviously that's the book and the combination of the battle droids from the movies, but but uh, it's it's fun to kind of be a part of creating a new character like that because I play the there's a game called Star Wars Destiny and they have like a, a Mr. Bones card and they have a Sinjir Rathvila's card and I was like oh wow you know <laughs> like it's <laughs> kind of awesome. cool to see yeah. like other aspects of the fandom picking up on those characters and that you got to be a part of originating originating that character is really awesome and an honor and and uh, it's really cool yeah. Yeah, because I mean, and, you know, even even sitting here thinking about it, like I I can picture, uh, you know, the Han Solo voice and the the Luke Skywalker voice and so forth just from yeah. having seen the movies over and over and over. Now, uh, has Harrison Ford ever reached out to you and said, okay, yeah, you did a good job, or no, that's not even close? <laughs> no, I doubt Harrison Ford knows anything about who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it, would it be, be really cool. crazy <laughs> if he did though? That'd be awesome. Oh, I tried good. to, uh, I tried to meet, I, I had, I had two opportunities to meet Mark Hamill and both times it did not happen. And I was, I was devastated. But like the first time was I was working on a cartoon called, I believe it was the wrong coast or the left coast. And, uh, I was doing a character on it and he was doing a character on it also. And usually you don't see each other because, you know, it's just you in the booth by yourself when you're doing animation a lot of times. Right. So I recorded my stuff and the director knew I was a Star Wars fan and they were like, oh, you know what? If you hang around like Mark Hamill's coming in for his session soon. I was like, oh, no way. So like I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting and and nothing's happening. And then um, or I'm sorry, wait, he was leaving a session or something. But I went to go to the bathroom and in the time that I went to the bathroom, he came out of the booth and then left. And when I came back, she was like, you just missed him. I was like, no. <laughs> I was like so upset. And then the second time was Mark Hamill and Frank Oz 
we're doing uh, like a talk at the 92nd Street YMCA. And I had this like, I brought a lightsaber. I brought like a, a Yoda wooden thing my wife gave me. And I was hoping I might get a chance to meet them and maybe get an autograph. But I wrote like a cheesy letter to them, um, you know, just saying how both of them are inspiring, you know, not only because of the characters in Star Wars, but just as voice actors and, and performers, like they've, you know, helped influence what I do for a living. Right. And uh, I happened to be sitting next to Mark Hamill's daughter, Chelsea, and I, I recognized her from something. And I think I kind of scared her because I was like, excuse me, are you Mark Hamill's daughter? Oh, and gosh. So I got her face like, uh, why? <laughs> so like, and I was like, oh, oh, uh, well, and I kind of handed her this letter. And I was like, I just I would love it if you could give this to, you know, your dad or whatever. And she's like, we'll see or something, you know, like and I, I think I kind of came on too strong and freaked her out a little bit. So uh, but I've not met either of them. And I, I really would love to. Um, but I would probably not be, be very professional if I ever got that chance. Oh gosh. You, you, yeah. you basically be just like that day and you'd be like, Oh my gosh, how's it going? Yeah. The ladder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just find that crazy. Cause I feel like a lot of times when I see you post on social media, you're doing not, not all the time, but like you're doing something with star Wars. And I'll just imagine that, man, he has to have like all these opportunities and he's, been able to do all this stuff and so forth but, you know especially now with with disney i guess being a part of it i just figured you know you would just have ample opportunities to meet and greet and talk with and so forth but that's kind of crazy that you haven't had yeah. that, that super easy opportunity where you just walk into a room and they're all there <laughs> right now <laughs> not yet maybe, maybe one day but uh hasn't happened so. i feel like you, i feel like you need to uh t- to get that card from disney and be like all right so i'm gonna hand this in one of those times right. <laughs> i'm ready for <laughs> the my carpet wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh um so yeah so uh i want to talk a little bit about the mandalorian because it's now over and everybody should have been finished with it by now and the fact that the new yeah. season comes out this fall um, but tell me, tell me right. your thoughts about it. Do you feel like it was, uh, it, was, it was a pretty good, you know, little little teaser into what a Star Wars TV show could be? Oh yeah, I thought it checked all the boxes, and I, I, I like, I, I knew I would love it because I'm a sucker for anything Star Wars. But I didn't, I didn't expect it to love it as much as I did. And I think part of it was, is for me, my gateway or my thing that I latch onto in Star Wars is the Jedi. And so the fact that this was going to be following around a bounty hunter, I was like, okay, like, you know, it's still Star Wars and it'll be cool. But I wasn't, you know, I'm not as into like the bounty hunters and and whatever. But so then the fact that like in the very first episode, (laughs) you know, he finds out that the main bounty is like, like a baby, you know, I know you're not supposed to call him baby Yoda, but it's a baby Yoda. (laughs) I'm like, oh, you know, (laughs) so like. I was freaking out and then like seeing that he's, you know, using the force. I was like, no way. So it's like, I got to have my Jedi fix and this great show. And I just felt the look of it is everything you want in star Wars. The humor is everything you want. The actions, everything, you know, the only thing we're missing is lightsabers and we got the dark saber at the end. So it's just, I I'm, I'm so in love with it. I just, I can't wait to see where it goes. And I just think it's a cool character and, I'm I'm very excited to to kind of find out more of the story and where this you know because either option I feel like right now either we're going to get to see 
more about Yoda's species and his planet, mm-hmm. or we're going to see this kid get trained to be a Mandalorian. <laughs> and how cool would it be <laughs> to see like a Jedi Mandalorian or like a, a Yoda, a Yodalorian or whatever, you know, like it would be so amazing. So. Right. And I think, uh, I don't remember if it was before the end of the season or at the end of the season, I saw somebody had posted like a meme and it was Groot next to the baby Yoda. And it's like, you took my spotlight or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah, like, yeah. All I can imagine <laughs> now is like, you know, this baby growing up to be like a teen and getting acne, kind of like kind of like Groot did in the in the in the movies. And so, like, I'm expecting like to us to like get through those really odd stage teenage years with him, and like, you know, he's like right. using his power to like fling Mando across the room or something. Right. That would be awesome. <laughs> um, and I and I, I noticed this, and, and I'm sure a lot of other people notice this. So, so IG11, the bounty droid that's in the Mandalorian. Um, yeah. I thought. For a second, it was the exact same one that was in Empire, but it's not. Uh-huh. It's uh, oh, okay. it's just apparently the same type of model, and and the one in Empire is IG eighty eight. But I I was right. like, oh my gosh, is there a connection? And there wasn't. I was a little disappointed, but because yeah. they look exactly the same, like it's the exact same battle droid. Um, but you know, obviously, uh, well, it's a cool. It's like it was a cool sacrifice, but I wouldn't mind seeing him come back although it, it might be pushing it now to have him come back from the dead twice but right <laughs> like like uh, i i uh I, w- I would love to see because i i just think that's another really cool character and uh i love i love the idea that you're not droids are neither good nor bad they're what they're programmed to be right and i think that's such a cool kind of metaphor for all people you know what i mean like you yeah. can't judge people based on like, well, they're this or they're that. Like you have to judge people as individuals, not as, as groups. And, you know, and I I just think that was a really cool star Wars way to kind of do some cool, you know, kind of parable stuff. And it was awesome. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so, so were you really upset at, uh, uh, Andy Sudeikis as well for, for punching? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was laughing. I probably shouldn't have been laughing. (laughs) Like, although, when he hit it really hard, both me and my son were like, no, like we really got mad. <laughs> oh, that was so brilliant though. <laughs> I know. And you know, I didn't, I didn't even realize that was him obviously until like all the hate comments started coming out on social media and they go, man, like people are not going to watch no. his movies anymore based on this. <laughs> <laughs> it was so brilliant. And I loved like when the baby's choking, uh, Cara and he's like, no, stop. <laughs> like, it's like, it's <laughs> like that's so true like when you're a baby and you have the force like how would you learn not to do something like that? right <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like it's like trying to get a dog not to piddle on the rug you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> don't force choke no don't exactly so. yeah. yeah it was yeah, really awesome and I, I thought it was fantastic and, and i and i knew we were going to be in, in for it somewhat of a treat just being by john favreau just because yeah everything he's done has been phenomenal at least that i've seen um, right. and I really uh, thought it was pretty neat that, you know, he put himself in as that, uh, that giant Mandalorian with the gap. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, um, that was awesome. I, I just, uh, as soon as, as soon as that one went on pre-sale for the Funko, I had to pre-order it. I mean, it was like right. that and the flame trooper. Those are like the two I just had to get. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. My only like criticism is I want the episodes to be longer and I want the season to be longer. Yeah. And I, so, I, so, I, so you're like probably, everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 like i i know their their answer is probably they want to maintain the quality and they you know it costs a lot of money to to do it but 
but I still would, I'm just greedy. I want more because I think it was, it was so well done. And I, I could do with 45 minute episodes and like a, a 10 or 13 episode season. So, right. Right. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't know if that, you know, like you said, it's kind of like a monetary thing or they're just going, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to chop it up at this many episodes a season. Cause I know, aren't they like releasing another season of rebels like pretty soon? Um, well, a, there definitely are Clone Wars. There's Clone rumors Wars there'll maybe. be a Rebel season, but I haven't heard anything official yet. So, I, maybe it was Clone Wars. I, I'd seen something about it today that there was a new one coming out pretty soon because um, they were going to have. I think it was like a character or two that they were like, I don't know, introducing or bringing back or something into it. So, right, um, awesome. Okay, so uh, you're currently, I'm assuming, finishing up recording Rise of the Skywalker. Is that right? Yes, and I'm only admitting it because you said that you, they listed audible. it on Audible. So, <laughs> and they did. So anybody listening at Penguin Random House, it's on Audible. <laughs> so it's not my fault if I'm not supposed to talk about it yet. Uh, but yeah, like it's funny because like with those projects, like all the scripts are encoded and they're password protected, and like it's like major security around them. So right. Um, but the movie's been out, and I think we're fine now. But yeah. So yeah, we're recording uh, Rise of Skywalker, um, and uh, it's going really well. There's like Ray Carson did an amazing job, and there's definitely like some like it's I like like books. What I've come to really appreciate about the books is like there's so much more detail you can go into in the book that you can't go into in the movie. Just just because of time, like, yeah. you know, you can do so much more in an eight to 10 hour production versus a two and a half hour production, you know? So like you get so many more scenes about, you know, little, 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 little story nuggets that kind of like, like just dig down deeper on stuff and help clarify motivations of things and, uh, and really, really interesting stuff. And so I, I think people are going to really, really enjoy it. And, uh, and I think it's going to be it's going to it's going to be awesome. Like there's a lot of stuff in the book that they couldn't put in the movie that I think will answer a lot of questions that people might be might still have. And uh, I really like like I got to see the movie and then we started recording and then um, we took a break because like we had to record it early in order to get it out by March. So like there's some new scenes that haven't we haven't recorded yet. but um, uh, so we're going back to do that. Um, but th there's like re getting to read it before my second viewing, like really helped my digestion of the movie. Cause it's just, it, there's a lot more in the book that just really makes everything clear and gel and like, like, is like enhances stuff in a much deeper way. And mm -hmm. the movie was awesome, but like the book, like makes it even more awesome and just makes it even more, you know, uh, thorough and, and, and just saturated with all the little, little threads and details that, that you might've missed the first time you saw the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's like, I'm, I'm watching uh, the new HBO series, the outsider that's based on Stephen King's book of the same name. And mm. I had read the book when it first came out and I was like, okay, well the show's coming out. I'm going to reread it. So I reread the book, started watching the show and I go, you know, they do a really good job of, of following the storyline and so forth. But it's one of those things where you can't get into the mind of the characters quite as well as you would in written form. Yep. Uh, kind of like you're, you're saying now, like you don't really get the depth of them 
and certain things are kind of shortcutted to make everything make sense in a movie or a TV show. Whereas you right. can really peel away the layers in a book and yeah. you know, you can let it sit there and digest for five, 10, 15, 20 pages. And you're like, right. Oh, that makes so much more sense now. <laughs> right. And it's totally. like, why is he so angry? He's always angry. Yeah. No, there's something there. <laughs> yeah. And there, and that's that. And I found that that only happens in books. Like that's the only, you know, thing where like maybe in dramatic podcasts or something, but like, you can't like, like, like you can't really get into their inner monologue any other way. And it's, it's, it's so unique and so cool to be able to have that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I hate to admit, I still haven't seen rise. I've been wanting to see it. Really? For, for, yeah. I, I still haven't seen it. I, I don't know what it is. Like, just wow! I just don't go to the movie theater that much anymore. Um, okay. It's just like my wife doesn't really care to go see movies. <laughs> I was like, which is yeah. really weird because uh, yeah. that's all you do when you're dating is go see movies. Um, right, right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I just I haven't been to go see it. It's it's one of those things where every single weekend something comes up. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to take like PTO from work and just go see it by myself <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, you should definitely see it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, well, now I want to like listen to the book and then see it because it'll, it'll explain everything. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Because <laughs> now I feel like I have to go yeah. back and, and read uh, The Force Awakens and in uh, The Last Jedi because uh, you know now there's going to be stuff that I missed and <laughs> I need to find it in book. Oh form. yeah. Um, well, one of my favorite things about I'm pretty sure it was in. I can't remember if it was in Last Jedi novelization or Force Awakens, but they they really dig down deep on like that first interrogation scene in Force Awakens where Kylo's probing her mind, uh-huh. and they they really explain in much more detail the fact that like when that's happening, it's like a doorway's open, mm-hmm. and Kylo's going into her mind, but she's also going into his, and like like she's she's kind of like like learning from him, and like even some of his mastery of the Force, and like even like like, like digging into his fears and like, you know, like it's, it, it kind of, because like when people accuse Ray of being a Mary Sue or whatever, mm-hmm. like that moment, like really, uh, explains a lot about how she's able to do some of the things she's able to do because like, like, it like unlocked something in her when she was able to do that, you know? And, yeah. and it, and it made, it made just everything make so much more sense when I was like, Oh wow. Yeah. You know, like, um, this is really cool. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, it, you can kind of see it when you're watching the movie, but obviously, you know, again, it's just not really, di- you know, delved into at all. It's just like, okay, I think I know what they're doing. Okay, yeah, I, that's what they're doing. I, I wish I could see more. <laughs> right. And uh, it's it's really hard sometimes to make that happen on screen. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, that's like. You know, we have uh, there's a bunch of books in the fantasy world. That everybody's like, man, I wish that'd be good. that'd make such a great movie. And it's like, yeah, but can they make it into a movie? Like, is that possible? Right. <laughs> can they can they actually yeah. make it look good and the movie actually turn out well? Because um, you know, there have been a lot of flops. You know, on people trying to trying to make books into movies. So, and they've done a better job of it. You know, recently in the last couple of decades, but um, yeah. Yeah, it's it. You just never know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, being being a narrator, being a voice actor, do you do you ever hang out with other uh, narrators or voice actors? I mean, outside of the studio. Uh yeah. I mean, um, 
I, I, I have a lot of friends that are in the voice acting industry. So like, you know, I'll, you know, there, there's a group of guys that I, sometimes I, d- I did a play with a while ago and one of my really good friends will, will have lunch every now and again. And, uh, and then we'll see each other at auditions and, and bookings and stuff like that. So there's, there's a, we're kind of definitely New York's big, but it feels small when you're in an industry like this. Cause everybody kind of knows everybody and sees each other at all, all the same things and stuff. So it's like a mini little family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mark. So I'm sure you get asked this all the time and I'm not above asking, would you mind giving us a little bit, not a really of a rundown, but would you mind going into some of your character voices that you've done over the years? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, but, sir, the possibility of navigating a... But, sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. Can't roll out. It's a top. You will learn the power of the dark side. No, Luke. I am your father. No. That's not true. That's impossible! Um. <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to do Mr. DiMartino from Daria reading Amazon Prime toaster reviews. <laughs> I usually love Hamilton Beach products, but this was a terrible purchase, Daria. I'm going to have to buy a different toaster. It heats unevenly. It also smoked like crazy. The first two uses and continues to smell every time we use it. Very dissatisfied. That was pretty amazing. Um, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, from now on, every time I have an, uh, a voice actor on, they have to read reviews from Amazon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, how about uh, Cobra Commander? All right. Um... Got this toaster, August 24th, 2019. It died November 19th, 2019. R.I.P., old guy. I'll miss you. (laughs) Wow. I feel like I'm watching the show. (laughs) That is amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And uh, did your looks, your look and your Han are like spot on. I'm not going to lie. Like I said, I I watched that lip sync video that you had on YouTube doing your Han. And uh, I haven't, I haven't heard you do it in an audio book yet, but that, that's solid. Um, Oh, thanks, dude. Oh, my gosh. Like I said, if uh, if Harrison Ford ever does come to you and he wants to find about how you do his voice, then uh, let me know. <laughs> I'll back you okay. up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send him your way. There you go. Uh, all right. Last thing I got for you, just because we talked about it a little bit. So, you know, I said I was a big fan of Pokemon growing up. So when when did you, I guess, come into the series? I think I saw somewhere where you started liking the Johto. Is that right? I think so it's like those are a little harder for me to keep track of because they all like most of what i do on those is the characters uh-huh. um i or, or the the uh creatures i mean right. so i don't uh i'm not able to follow the plot as much sometimes because i'm usually just doing you know glass glass you know like just saying the voice over over again yeah <laughs> um but uh 
Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's right. I've been, I've been involved in it a long time, like longer than Star Wars. And Star Wars has been just over 10 years now. So I think I've been doing Pokemon for maybe 15 or something. So I don't, I don't remember. But yeah, it's, it's definitely been a long time. I'm about to say, yeah, so you, you've been doing Star Wars for about 13, and if you did Johto, I mean, you've been doing it for almost a couple of decades. I mean, yeah. Pokemon's been yeah. around a while. Um, yeah, no, it has, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> I could just imagine, like, if you were in a recording studio and somebody walked by that had no idea what that you were recording for Pokemon and you were, you were doing one of the pocket monsters is what they call them just, just FYI. Nobody asked you. Oh, I, yeah. I can imagine you sitting there <laughs> sitting there making the noises and they're like, is he okay? <laughs> oh, totally. Because like, like it's it's the, normal in the show, but like you kind of walk past people like that. I'm sure you walk past plenty of people like that in New York. But you just walk people by people just making noises and you're just like, can somebody somebody help him? <laughs> I mean, even, yeah, even no, I mean, like, like yeah, like sometimes, like if I'm think for something, yeah, like I, I must totally look like out of my mind, like I must totally look crazy, and like it, it is, it's just bizarre to try to explain, you know, what what you're doing, <laughs> you know, like, but yeah, there's uh, and New York is a, a wellspring of uh, inspiration because there's a lot of characters walk roam in the streets and subways that you can draw <laughs> inspiration from. So <laughs> but I say, do you, do you ride the subway a lot and you just kind of people watch and you're going, man, that guy's making a really interesting noise. I bet I could, I bet I could put that into a star Wars book <laughs> all the time, all the time. And like, like my wife would be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I just, I like that guy's voice. I'm just muttering to myself to try to get it like locked in. Cause like, is he had a really interesting accent or a really interesting like timbre or quality to it? And I was like, oh wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've been I, tempted to try to record people, but I think that might be crossing some sort of legal line. So maybe so. Yeah. I can just imagine like you're watching the guy that's mumbling to himself while you're mumbling to yourself. So people are looking at you like that guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and your wife's like, I don't know him. And she's just kind of averting her eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh man, well cool. Well, I, I'm kind of out of questions. You've uh, you, you've satisfied me as far as your voices because uh, I know there's right. a lot. I know there's <laughs> obviously a lot more to come, and you've got a lot, you know, a lot more in your repertoire. But uh, I can imagine trying to go back and think about some of those is uh, is quite difficult because you've done so many over the years. Um, yeah. But but man, I, I really appreciate you coming on, taking the time out of your evening to to come chat with me and. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about your career uh, and, and, and Star Wars. I mean, you can't not enjoy talking about Star Wars. I mean, we could talk about no, it totally. all night, but we both have yeah. <laughs> things that we have to do. So you, you've you got right. a wife and kids. I mean, I'm, I'm at home because my wife's still at work. She teaches dance at night, but I've got dogs. Oh, and then, I'm actually a dancer too. That's cool. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. She's, been, she's been teaching for, uh, for about five years now, and she took for about 15, so – um, that's cool yeah yeah and um but yeah you know eventually i'll be in that spot because we're actually expecting in june um hey, our, congratulations. Our, thank you our first daughter so uh it's gonna be one of those things where then i can be like oh yeah I, I, i've got to go you know with the family you know whatever because now it's just like i mean i've got my dogs <laughs> i can't really make much of an excuse <laughs> um but seriously just thank you so much i i love 
uh, listened to your to your narration on audiobooks. I mean, you're you're one of my top five narrators in the business. I oh mean, wow! Not just now, but but since I've been listening to audiobooks, which has been, I mean, quite a few years. I mean, I started with Jim Dale back in the Harry Potter days. Oh um, yeah. Which I mean, you know, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna go for hey, this guy can do so many voices. I mean, you're up there with 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 Jim, and now I, I'm listening to a lot of John Banks. He does a lot of the new fantasy stuff. Um, he's based out of the UK. But I mean, just yeah. just just the amount of voices you guys can do and just do one point is just fantastic, and it's a true art. It's awesome. So, oh, wow. well, um, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, yeah. and uh, thanks for everything you're saying now. It really means a lot to me. So, thank you. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and, and good luck finishing up uh, the Rise of Skywalker. Definitely looking forward to getting to it, and uh, I'm sure you've got a few more coming on the way because uh, I know they're not done making movies, and I'm sure they'll make a Mandalorian book here pretty soon that you'll put to the books. Oh, no, that would be so fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but everybody listening, uh, you can find Mark on Twitter at Captain E Hud. That's Captain E H U D. Uh, you can mm-hmm. also find him on Facebook at mark.thompson.378. Uh, and then you uh, can also find a majority of his voice acting resume on behindthevoiceactors.com because uh, his yeah. resume is quite daggum long. Uh, but <laughs> mostly you can find his work on Audible or Libro or audiobooks.com, whatever uh, source you use for uh, audiobook narration. Like I said, he's done over 90 uh, novel narrations, uh, including over 40 Star Wars novels. Uh, and we're just excited that he's going to be continuing to do them. And hopefully he's got even more coming uh, after Rise of Skywalker. But Mark, thanks again for coming on. And uh, let's do this again sometime. Definitely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Hope you guys enjoyed my chat with voice actor Mark Thompson. I know I definitely did, especially since we got to talk a little bit about Star Wars, which, again, who can't? not talk about star wars uh but guys i uh, hope you guys tune in next week when i talk to author mike chen about his brand new release through harper collins called a beginning at the end and the following week on february 6th i'll be talking to horror author keelan patrick burke about his repertoire of horror novels as well as his imprint elder lemon design where he designs book covers for horror authors and anybody else who is looking for a fantastic book cover. But again, thank you guys for tuning in, and stay tuned next week.